Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us today. Today, we're going to talk about office market. We're going to talk about tenant strategies, occupier strategies, and we're going to talk about the investment market. We'll cover some uh, tips for office users because, you know, the, the tenant strategies and corporate strategies for office space has really been changing. We're going to talk about some strategies there. We're also going to talk about the F investment market, cap rates, and influence of foreign investment in, uh, in the office market. And we'll talk about some tools of the trade. Please welcome my first guest is Walter Page. He's Director of Research with the CoStar Group. Thanks for joining us, Walter. Thank you, Michael. Well, Walter, how is the U.S. office market uh, performance trending right now? Well, I, I think we're in what I call a seasonal slowdown. Um, seasonal slowdown has actually happened every first quarter since 2007 when the uh, amount of net office absorption uh, slows from what it, it peaks in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it, it's very similar to what happened in 2015. So in um, 2016 year-end, we had about 30 million square feet of net absorption in the fourth quarter. That happened in uh, 2015-2014. Then we have now slowed to 11 million square feet, which is exactly the same as what we had a, a year ago at this time. Uh, we that caused vacancy rates basically to stay in a very narrow range of where they were from the prior quarter. But on an overall basis, if you step back and look over the last 12 months, picture's very good. Uh, we've had 98 million square feet of net absorption in the last 12 months. That's up 11% from a year earlier period. Uh, and this has allowed office rents on an overall basis to grow at 4.3% annual rate which is pretty close to the cycle peak of 4.4%. Uh, office completions are now at 30, I mean, 63 million square feet uh, on a year-over-year -year basis. That's up 36% from a year uh, earlier. In essence, what we see is that in roughly two-thirds of the markets, new construction is now justified. Right. It's making sense uh, because uh, the, the performance has really improved, the rent increases, and it's a lot of this uh, improvement in rates and uh, performance in the A market, A class? Uh, well, well, I mean, disproportionately, the top tier of the market, we call them four- and five-star A class, is getting double its fair share of net absorption. Okay. So roughly two-thirds of, of net absorption is focused to the A-type property. Okay. Is it more downtown CBD-type uh, trends that uh, we see more improvement? Uh, for the most part, it, it it is a downtown story in terms of occupancy levels, but net absorption uh, is, you know, is occurring across the entire market. I mean, the suburban market is in many cases bigger than the, the CBD market, so it, it's, a, it's a broad base. I can say that some of the close-in suburban markets are, are faring pretty well also. Right. And so you had a seasonal slowdown. You, you believe it's pretty normal for the for the first quarter. But uh, what do you expect moving forward for the rest of the year? Well, so office demand is really dependent upon job trends, and the job trends in the U.S. are still very strong. We're we're uh, adding over two hundred thousand new jobs nationally per month, which is about a one point eight percent annual rate. So <clears throat> our belief is that two thousand sixteen will really go on the books like 2015 is one of the best years in the real estate cycle. 
Uh, we expect net absorption to be about 90 million square feet for the year uh, for office. So that's going to be down marginally from 98 million square feet. Uh, office completions are expected to rise about 20% to about 76 million square feet versus 63 million square feet in all of 15. And we expect uh, year-end vacancy to be about 10.5. We're at 10.8, 10.9 right now. So we'll still have a uh, recovery in terms of occupancy. And then rent growth should be close to 4%. Wow. So that's the good news at 4% uh, rate increase. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a good picture. So so our our show today, we'd like to talk a little bit about tenant strategies because I think in some of the markets, like we work here, our, our corporate office here in Atlanta, and in some of our hot markets, our tenants are seeing some pretty big rent increases from you know, when they're looking at renewal time. What should tenants think about overall in the office market today? Well, you know, tenant strategies are almost the opposite of owner strategies. At the top of the cycle, you want to go short. <laughs> well, owners want to go long. So considering that we're probably at the top of the cycle, there's a risk of recession sometime in the next five years. If I was a tenant, I probably would be thinking I'd rather sign a five-year deal instead of a 10-year deal. And if I signed a 10-year deal, I'd like to have some type of uh, uh, deal on it. Uh, I would also be looking at you know the space and how it helps the firm attract and retain its employees. This is becoming really a critical thing. It's one of the reasons why we see the demand of space is so focused to the top tier uh, properties. Uh, And I would also look at, you know, does this place have enough meeting space? Can we change the space? Do we have enough room for expansion? You know, think about, you know, how the firm could change over time and try to anticipate what the needs will be in the future. That's the key to the whole thing. Craig, can you join our firm as a tenant rep, Walter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good tips. I mean, it's really important how the uh, space uh, impacts your top line and bottom line numbers. And I agree. I think a lot of companies are real concerned about retention and about recruiting. And, and having that flexibility in the lease and the space is, is very critical. We're talking with Walter Page with CoStar about the office market and tenant strategies. So so you, you're going to have 4% rate growth you're, you're thinking for this year. Uh, pretty pretty good numbers there. So what is that doing to cap rates uh, for the office market? So overall, office cap rates for most markets are, for institutional type of properties, are between 5 and 7%. Of course, it depends on where you're at. We've seen really a pretty steady uh, trend in the cap rates over the past six months. Uh, and so that's you know, pricing has is, is, is basically been stabilized. The, the growth in pricing is really driven now by growth in NOI. Uh, that being said, we are seeing some slowing in the sales volumes uh, in the first quarter of 2016, maybe more than uh, what would be seasonal. So we're seeing uh, about a 5% reduction in sales volumes compared to what we saw last year in the first quarter. Uh, now, we're not 100% certain if this trend will continue, but to give you some numbers on this, uh, we're at $31 billion of sales for the first quarter of uh, 2016. Last year, same time, we're at $34 billion. 
Now, to put this in perspective, the market's still highly liquid. If we look back to the year 2000, we averaged $18 billion in the first quarter. So clearly we're, we're, we're still selling a bunch of stuff. It's right. just we're n- not quite as high as what we were last year at this time. Okay. So on the cap rates trends, you're seeing them uh, pretty flat overall, is that what you're saying? Fairly flat. Okay. And uh, this slowdown in the uh, sales volume, do you think that's because of that? that what, what is the reason there? What do you think that could be caused for? Well, there's a couple things. One, I think people are definitely afraid of, of Houston. Uh, I think that there is some slowing uh, potentially in the demand for investment in some of these uh, technology markets, in, in particular San Francisco. Uh, we have actually heard of some deals falling apart in San Francisco hmm. and the Bay Area, uh, and there's no backup buyer. So uh, there's some indications out there that there's some slowing out there. But with those cap rates at two or what? <laughs> <laughs> out there. Maybe the buyers are getting a little concerned about uh, the uh, the market with those kind of lower cap rates. Well, quickly here, before you have to go, where are the opportunities for investors? Uh, well, we still like fixing broken buildings. Uh, in particular, we, we've, I've looked at it, and we have a number of buildings, office buildings, that have less than 85% occupancy. Uh, in markets, for example, 14% of the buildings in Washington, D.C., it's actually 341 buildings, are less than 85% occupancy. We have uh, a similar story in Phoenix, Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, Atlanta and Chicago, where we have occupancy challenge buildings that could be fixed up. We like places that have uh, rooftops, a lot of new residents, and we actually like some close-in suburban locations. They tend not to be priced as uh, richly as the CBD and have some very good demand uh, factors with limited supply. Well, those are great tips. Uh, As usual, Walter, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on office occupier and investor strategies. Strategies. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by CCIM Institute, Commercial Real Estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit ccim.com slash CRE show. That's ccim.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, our topic is office, office space, the office market. And now something dear to your heart and and ours, if you use office space for your business. Uh, We're going to interview Darren Billsborough. He's CEO of Office Space Matters. He's also author of Don't Worry About the Rent. This is a great book. I recommend it. If you uh, lead or run or own a company and you use office space, uh, check out this book. And uh, Darren's joining us from Skype from Australia. Darren, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. Well, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I like this book. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a good, quick read. I enjoyed it. And uh, it's, it's called uh, Don't Worry About the Rent, uh, Choosing New Office Space to Boost Business Performance. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of business owners uh, should take uh, more into account, right, and, and not worry about how, how the rent is, but look at all the factors that will help your bottom and top line numbers. And, 
And in your book, you suggest seven ways your choice of office can boost business performance. And number one is, is a real interesting one, I think, for a lot of companies to consider, uh, agglomeration or clustering. Tell us about that, Darren. Well, the idea of um, the clustering effects or the economics of agglomeration is when you bring businesses together that have a natural synergy with each other, um, you have the obvious opportunities to innovate, um, collaborate, um, create through that innovation and collaboration. But there are also other opportunities associated with identifying talent, um, recruiting the right staff. Uh, if you're in the, in the space uh, where there is those natural synergies with other businesses or even educational institutions, um, it opens up opportunity, I guess, for, for businesses. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that leads right well into number two about recruiting and attracting the best and brightest staff. Yeah, I mean, your office, there is an awful lot of um, noise, I guess, around workplace design, um, the Googles, the, the Facebooks, the, the, all of these really interesting and funky office designs. I mean, there are a couple of reasons for putting putting those um, opportunities out there or for, for doing that type of workplace design. Um, but one of the biggest ones is to attract the sort of talent that those businesses are after. So your choice of building as well as your choice of workplace um, can attract that talent. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think the job market's been improving here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, so you really want to attract uh, the best folks uh, at your company. And then uh, number three is by fostering a happy and healthy uh, workforce. Tell us about health and uh, office space. Yeah, well, one of the biggest, one of the reasons why I wrote the book in the first place was that I felt that there was a, a there was too much focus on cost when businesses were looking at their office space opportunities. And if you at, at, if you put cost to one side and don't worry about the rent, which is obviously the title of the book, and think more about the effects that the workplace have on the productivity of the staff um, and, and, and their opportunities to do and deliver the best work that they can deliver, um, to have a space that, that, that creates or allows them to be healthier, allows them to be happier, um, obviously feeds back into attracting them, but it, it, um, uh, it, it does, in fact, improve the work uh, performance of your workforce. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we've uh, recently uh, expanded our office and improved it, and it's very it's very pleasant. And you're and you're in our we're in our space now. We have a television radio studio in the middle of our space, and when you come in here, it just feels comfortable. And people do seem more productive. They seem more happy. Um, and then another thing you have here, number five, is related to energy costs when you're choosing office space. You want to consider that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean. Uh, one of the interesting things about energy cost is that it's a relatively, it's not a major part of, a, of your overall um, cost associated with occupi uh, occupying office space. Um, but any time that you can actually make some sort of efficiency um, is going to help the bottom line. And the, it then feeds back into other opportunities associated with the way in which you present your business um, to the work workplace and the way in which that uh, represents your values alignment to, to um, future staff. 
Yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense. And number six is by enhancing brand and community and uh, helping your corporate vision and values and empowering those. So how is choosing office space uh, help you in that regard? Yeah, and not surprisingly, all of these elements interlink with one another. But um, the ability for an organization to demonstrate their brand and their values to the marketplace whether it's their clients, whether it's customers, whether it's the community at large, depending on the type of business that they have, is a really important one and and one I think that's underrated and undervalued. So think hard about how your office reflects all of those values and and what that might then mean for, you know, getting back to attracting staff, attracting customers, however it might work best for your business. But um, if you end up uh, operating from an office that, that um, reflects um, poor quality um, or low rent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that's the sort of expectation that people have of the service and the offering that you have. So uh, it's all about how do you how do you best represent yourself and your business. Right, and I think you kind of covered number seven there, just making it attractive for, to attract clients to do business with you, right? Yeah, and as I say, I think all each of those seven elements, what's really interesting about them is that you can look at them independently, mm-hmm. um, and, and it, that's a good idea as well, I think, to, to view each of them independently, rate them independently of, of how you go about choosing your office space, but they are all inter, interlinked. I mean, at the end of the day, there are uh, essentially uh, four things that you're trying to do for you, for your business. You're trying to find a strategic location for your business, one that works for your supply chains, one that works for you know, the synergy and the agglomeration that we're talking about. Um, you, you want to choose an office space that works for resourcing, for your ability to attract and retain your staff. Um, you want to choose a, a workplace that's going to improve the productivity of your workforce and obviously help you with your operational efficiencies uh, within your business. And then, of course, the last one is about brand and reputation. So each one of those elements, um, although they can be thought of as quite separate, uh, they're interlinked. And every time you start talking about any one of those seven, um, you start talking about the same sorts of issues and, and the, the synergies that exist between each of those seven um, and the way in which they together will boost the business performance of, of, of your business. Right. And we're short on the break, but you do a good job in this book of illustrating how when you put all these things together, you know, the, the attracting the best, the recruiting, the, the healthy people, healthy, the productivity, you can really add so much to the top and bottom lines that it may be uh, more of an improvement than you're paying in the rent. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And I, I mean, one of the things that I tell a story in the book about um, some of my experiences in the commercial office sector. And, and one of the motivations was that there, there is an awful lot of focus on things like cost, on the size of the office space, on location, but not necessarily a strategic um, discussion about location. And I felt that, that some of the elements that are, that are lost in relation to value and what a business should value when they think about the office space that they want to inhabit Um, are sometimes lost in in all of those discussions. Well, I do recommend the book, and you can get the book at at, uh, his website, which is newofficeadvisor.com. That's advisor with an E. Darren, thanks for joining us, and stay tuned. We'll have more on the office market. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. 
check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about the office market. We're talking about tenant strategies and investor strategies. Please welcome my next guest is Jim Bacata. He's VP with Highwoods Properties. Now, Highwoods is a $6.5 billion real estate investment trust. Uh, they have properties in 10 markets across the U.S. And Jim's joining us here in Studio One today. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, I'd like to get your view as an, as an operator of these buildings around the country. You know, how do you see the current market for tenant demand? You know, we hear there was a little bit of slowdown from Walter in the in the first quarter. Have you guys seen that? What are you seeing for traffic? Well, Walter's right. There was a, a typical seasonal slowdown in probably December through maybe February. Um, wasn't really alarming to us because we see it every year. Uh, but now things have uh, uh, really picked up as usual. And uh, it, things are rocking along. Uh, demand uh, is strong. Traffic is strong. Um, and uh, you know, the, the markets that we're in, we're in 10 markets, they're, they're all tightening. And uh, it's good for landlords. Which cities are you seeing the biggest increase in, in occupancy and rates that you're in? Uh, Nashville's on fire. Uh, Atlanta is very strong. Uh, you know, our, our portfolio in, in Nashville is uh, unbelievably 99% occupied right now. It's just about physically impossible to do that. Wow. Um, in Atlanta, we're uh, 92 or so. And uh, I, I really, though, all of our markets are experiencing tightening, uh, steady, increasing demand, and rent growth. That's good. And what are you seeing from tenants today as far as the amount of square footage that they're coming to you guys for or, or, or when they're discussing renewals? Are they still trying to reduce their square footage per employee? Are you seeing because of the job market improving and, and more concern about retention and recruiting? Is, are you seeing any trends there? You know, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, becoming more dense and uh, we, we, we I think that's what my wife says I'm becoming more dense yeah, I, hear, I hear the same from my wife but uh, the, the density uh, trend is somewhat overblown in my opinion in in our experience uh, yeah we see uh, tenants that want to restack from time to time and they and they want to get more dense and they go to more off uh, a more open office plan but even with those open office plans, you see them come back and add uh, huddle rooms and break rooms and open spaces and uh, where, where folks can collaborate or where they can get away and make a private phone call if they need to. And at the end of the day, you're not really seeing much savings or much more efficiency. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, in terms of overall size, the job market's good. Um, there's new hiring uh, going on in virtually all of our markets. And so it, I don't see a lot of downsizing. About the only time I'm seeing downsizing now is when, uh, as a result of a merger, and a, and a company is eliminating some redundancies in their overhead, uh, and, and you'll see some, some downsizing and restacking. But the overall trend is, uh, you know, folks are, are, are really um, renewing and, and, and leasing uh, the same amount of space or even more space and, and looking for expansion options. 
Okay. And are you seeing any trends, Jim, with tenants today uh, related to the length of their leases? You know, we heard Walter suggest that maybe some tenants would want to think about a shorter-term lease. Um, but because of uh, FASB, I think some companies, uh, you know, maybe they're thinking about shorter leases because of the uh, FASB accounting changes. But what are you seeing in the real world as far as that goes? You know, uh, I, I think Walter's advice to tenants is probably good since we are, you know, at least on the upswing and approaching the, the peak of the market cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I, I think that uh, we really aren't seeing a, a big uh, demand for shorter term renewals and leases. In fact, you know, we're doing 10, 12, even 15 year leases in some instances. Uh, I think it's, it depends on, it depends on the tenant. It depends on their business plan. Mm-hmm. It depends on how much uh, growth they want to, you know, build into their space, growth potential. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, when you see a market tightening like it is today, you don't really know where the end of the cycle is. And, and I think uh, a lot of us feel, I feel like the runway is still quite long. Yeah. And so uh, I, I personally, you know, I don't know that I'd want to do a short-term lease, a three-year lease, because I think this market could run, you know, and be strong for three, four more years easily. And so where are you in three years? You're going to have to re-up at an even higher rate. Right. And uh, what's your quick answer to construction costs and the impact there on, uh, on tenant leases? Well. Uh, Construction costs are continuing to rise, of course, and uh, in, in most of our markets, though, uh, construction costs require rates that are a little higher than the current market rates. And, and so uh, that's one reason why we're confident that rate, rates are going to continue to rise, because there's still a gap in most markets uh, between rental rates that are, in the, in the, that, are, that are existing and what you need for a new building. Okay. Well, great. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the office market, including the investment market. Get Jim's view on that. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. Call 800-408-2855 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and you're listening or watching the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about the office market. My guest is Jim Bacata. He is with Highwoods. And Jim, I'd like to ask your view as an operator of these buildings around the country, how you're seeing the investment market for the uh, office sector today. Well, Michael, it's a very competitive landscape for buyers. And we are a buyer, uh, more buying than selling, but uh, activities is, is slow simply because there's great competition. And cap rates, uh, as Walter mentioned, are in the five to seven range, depending on the uh, on the, on the property, depending on the uh, the, the, the status of uh, occupancy and uh, underlying NOI based on your lease up assumptions as you study these these buildings and underwrite them. Um, I, I think uh, it's not getting any easier to buy buildings. And um, one thing that I I I, I seem to see in in most of our markets is that many of the trophy assets, those that are in most demand, have traded. And they've traded to companies like us. We're a real estate investment trust, and our business is all about buying the best buildings in the best markets and submarkets, and managing them and leasing them up and, and you know, clipping a coupon. And uh, there, there are more and more institutional investors that have, have, have acquired the best buildings. And so uh, 
you know, if, if, if guys like us buy them, uh, they're not going to go back on the market for a long, long time. Right. And uh, that's one reason why I think uh, Walter mentioned that uh, activity's down a little bit. He didn't, he didn't indicate exactly what I just uh, said, but, uh, but I think that's a factor. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, market's tightening. Um, NOI is increasing, rents are increasing, so it's making it harder to buy a building um, that, uh, you know, because cap rates are, you know, coming down as well. Yeah. When you're in competition to, to buy some of these office assets, are you seeing a competitive situation with foreign investors? Are you, are you noticing a, 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 a... You know, I, I have not seen a tremendous amount of foreign investment myself. Now, I know it's here. And I know it's, uh, it's in some of the markets, but um, I sit on a panel uh, that uh, uh, visits with the Fed uh, quarterly, and uh, we, we saw the statistics, the exact statistics of foreign investment in real estate and it's in, in uh, the U.S., and it's not as big a percentage as, as everybody thinks. Um, it's, it's here, and it's, it's a factor. But our competitors seem to be the same group of uh, real estate investment trusts and, and, and uh, U.S. financial institutions and uh, investors every time. Right. And I want to ask you, Jim, about leasing strategies because, you know, uh, that's always something that's on your mind, right? Owning all these buildings is you know, what are the best ways to lease these properties? Are you guys doing any kind of amenities, amenities or technology that's helping you with the uh, leasing today? Sure. Technology is a, is a, is a, is a big thing. Uh, you know, I think uh, tenants are expecting Wi-Fi in all the in all the uh, common spaces and areas. I want it in the elevator too, you know. <laughs> elevator, sure. They and amped up uh, cell signals uh, that that uh, so that you don't drop calls. Um, but I think one of the one of the things that uh, trends that we're seeing is uh, lounges, tenant lounges. Um, we like to put uh, training rooms in in our buildings and typically down on the ground floor where the space is not as leasable. Uh, so that uh, our tenants can can take advantage of that space and uh, not have to go, uh, not have to build it into their floor plan, um, and uh, they can be more efficient and they can use it and reserve it through our property manager. And we like uh, nice fitness centers, food service. You try to bring all the best amenities you can uh, to to edge out your competitor. Oh, that's great. Well, we're in a Highwoods building here. We're our, we're our space here on the top floor. So hopefully when you do the lounge downstairs, it'll be an open bar, right? Just, uh, all, all for you. Them. For you, yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. And then, and then you're right. There's a, there's a cafe in this building, and it's real convenient for us. You don't, you can, if you're hungry, oh, you, you're busy, busy working, you're hungry, run down there, grab a bite, and, and yeah. you're back in your office. Yeah, I know you work out every uh, morning down there, too, right? Yeah. In our I have, have yet to use the fitness center. <laughs> I've looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> Good intentions. Uh, yeah. Now, I work out every morning at home, so uh, <laughs> every morning. So, uh, in fact, I have someone asking me every day when I get here how my workout was. So. That's good. Um, and ask him how his calls were, and he asked me how my workout was. So it's, it's working well for both of us. Well, what about sustainability? It seems like that uh, uh, you know, it was all the rage. Then the market kind of was a downturn. It's, people kind of seemed to, well, it's not that important to, to do LED lights, and it's not that important to, to – but now it seems like a lot of companies, it's, it is a check in the box, right? They want to know that uh, the building's efficient and green. 
you know, every CEO has a different uh, set of boxes to check. Mm -hmm. I think it tends to be on most boxes, though. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, you know, when we're building a building or retrofitting a building, we always try to get the LEED certification because it's 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 a box checker, but it's also the right thing to do. Yeah. And uh, we believe in sustainability, and we're we're uh, separating trash, all all that sort of thing. And and uh, we, you know, LED lights you mentioned. LED lights make sense, and we've retrofitted virtually every parking deck that we own. We put uh, efficient um, uh, new lighting in and find that the payback is just a couple of years on the investment, so that's a, quite a return on your investment. It's good for the environment, and it makes sense economically. A lot of the, these uh, initiatives um, really do make sense. The price have come down, right, on these LED lights? LED lights have come way down, yeah. and uh, so we, we, uh, we, we just can't wait to get them in in all our buildings wherever we can and, yeah. and we see a we see a return and they're certainly more comfortable like in the studio we're all led lights and we're not here and we have a lot of light because we're also video in here and, um but but it's not hurting our eyes now if i go into a regular fluorescent light i'm blinking yeah and, you know so it's, it's yeah, better for it's far you. superior and you know they, they're able to you know tweak and adjust and give you any uh, light spectrum that you want there's a technology with led lighting is just come so far it's, yeah. it's great yeah, yeah it certainly makes sense and I like when I pull in the parking deck and the lights the LED lights turn on automatically for me yeah. it just knows Michael Bull's there right and it, it just turns on it's just for you <laughs> Jim thanks for joining us and stay with us we'll have more on the office mark including some technology you do want to hear about I'm Michael Bull this is the commercial real estate show Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about office properties and office tenant strategies. Please welcome my next guest. is David Mendel. He is founder and CEO of Pivot Desk. Pivot Desk is a website where you can do some remarkable things if you have some excess space that you'd like to get some income on, or you need some flexible space for your business. David is joining us now on Skype. David, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here. Well, we appreciate you being on. And tell our audience just what is Pivot Desk and, and why is it created? So what Pivot Desk does is it gives you almost a cloud service for office space that allows you to grow your business the way it should grow, not the way real estate dictates. So, for example, if you're a small business and you're trying to bet your business on a five-year lease, but you don't even know how much space you need yet, that's a really big risk for a business. So what Pivot Desk does is help you find flexible space for now. By sharing space with another company that has excess space, lets you focus on growing your business, your objectives, driving some revenue, closing another investment round, whatever you need to do, until you get to the point where you feel more comfortable and you can invest in that longer lease. And let's say that I've leased a larger space than I need because I want to grow. How can I use Pivot Desk to get some income on that space in the meantime? Yes, it's actually the exact same way. So, you know, every time you sign a lease, we assume you're going to take more space than you need because, you know, you're always going to grow into it. The problem is you just never know when. What Pivotest does is it kind of gives you that cloud service, that way to offset your lease risk by sharing that space with another great company. And once you find a great company to share that space with through Pivotest, we handle all the details. You simply automatically get paid every month. You decide how much you want for the space. And it's not about square footage. You're not demising space. And yep. I like how you how you name the parties. It's the host 
and the guest. So they're a guest. So yeah. if they're a problem guest, I can get rid of them. It's a license, not a lease, right? Exactly. 30-day notice, either side can cancel, and Pivotus is more than happy to help that guest find another space that's maybe a better match for them, and also happy to help you find another guest for, uh, help you find another guest for your space. Okay. Quickly, how does the money flow? Yeah, the money flows through Pivot Desk from the guest to the host. We charge the guest company through an ACH transfer every month on that license fee that, again, the host determined. We take 10%, which is how we make our revenue and remit residual to the host. So that money just shows up in the host's account every month. They get an email and receipt, say, hey, here's how much money you made this month. Here's how much you made this past year. Here's how much more money you could make based on the extra space you have. And your website is pivotdesk.com. Can I post as a tenant looking for space? You don't guest. host as a guest, yeah. As yeah. If, you're look, if you're a small company looking for space, you do a quick search of, on what's available. And the host controls what they're sharing with the guests. So if I'm the host, for example, again, if I want them to share the, with our coffee shop and, and be able to get coffee or if I want them to have access to my, my game room or if I'm to have access to conference rooms or copiers and things, I decide that as host? Yes. And what we try and do is we try or what we try not to do, actually, is we try not to nickel and dime anybody. So as the host, what we say to you is when you're creating a, a posting, decide what the guest gets ahead of time. Say, do they have access to the copier, the coffee machine, conference rooms? It's really totally up to you, but decide ahead of time and then just build all that into the price. And how might commercial real estate brokers uh, utilize Pivot Desk to help their clients? Yeah, so we've got a lot of brokers that use us. And what Pivot Desk allows them to do is actually work as a, more of a business partner as opposed to a salesperson and sit down with that company and say, listen, based on what you're telling me, you shouldn't be taking the lease yet. Let's find you some good shared flexible space for now until you close that next big deal or get your next investment round. And then you can actually start to predict where you want to be. And then I'm happy to help you find the right lease. And final question for you, David, is and I'm a commercial real estate broker. We're used to, mm -hmm. to leases where the tenants have legal rights, uh, but you're referring to this more of, as of a license. Do you guys supply that license? Yes, it's a license agreement. It's fully downloadable and signable. So at any time, either the guest or the host can download the signed license agreement. Well, David, sounds like a great service. I'm going to try it out myself. And uh, so thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Michael. I really appreciate the time, and hopefully we can find you a great guest to share your space with. Great. Thank you. If you like more Thank information, you. visit pivotdesk.com, and be sure to join us next week. We're going to talk about retail real estate. Again, we'll talk about some retail tenant strategies. We'll talk about the investment market and some uh, management and leasing tips. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by CCIM Institute, commercial real estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit ccim.com slash CRE show. Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.